It was, uh, it was a couple years ago, and we were gathered with some of our chapel elders. They serve as kind of the spiritual overseers of our church. And one of our elders, as he prayed, he prayed uh, these words, and I had to stop in the midst of the prayer and write them down. He said, he prayed, Jesus, help me hear others with your ears, see others with your eyes, and love others with your heart. I thought, that is, that is the heart of a real disciple, a real follower of Jesus, longing to be more and more like Jesus to the people that they come into contact with. And I thought to myself, how do we get to that place where that really is the cry of our heart and it's the way of our life? <laughs> Somebody has said, you know, you can have a great idea, a great vision for your life, but a vision without a plan or a strategy, it is, it's just a dream. But that even that word strategy, it makes it sound like, wow, what's this going to take to be, become more and more like Jesus? Do we need org charts? And like, well, what is this really going to look like? And yet we think it's much more simple than that. In fact, uh, we've entered into a series uh, that we began last weekend simply called Simple. And we, during this time, we're, we're just simplifying uh, the environments that Jesus, we believe, uses to help us become more like Jesus. We've talked about these environments here many times before, and we will continue to because we really believe that these things are what marked the church and continue to make an impact in people's lives. We call them the row, the circle, the chair, and go. The row represents where you're sit sitting right now, learning, listening together, uh, the, the chair is kind of like our own personal time with Jesus uh, on our own. Uh, going is engaging our faith and using our gifts to serve others. But this weekend, we want to, in particular, focus on the power of the circle. Now, the circle represents, it represents a group of maybe three to 12 people. People that are doing life with each other, helping each other become more and more like Jesus. Because the goal of a, of a circle environment is discipleship, becoming more like Christ. And, and whether we realize it or not, you know, three campuses and lots and lots of people here at the chapel, but the chapel began in a living room as a small circle of people. And ever since, as God's added to our numbers and grown and, and reached out to more people, our mission is still to to become smaller and smaller at the same time that we grow bigger and bigger because we want everybody to feel like they have a place to belong here at the chapel. And that happens primarily when we get involved in a circle environment. In fact, our vision here at the chapel is that every single person that comes here on the weekends, that, that comes to service on Sunday, would find themselves in a circle on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. We say we, we want people to be engaged in groups from preschool to old school, okay? And, and right now, oh, literally, over in our preschool classes, 
kids will sit in a little circle and they're talk, they're going to talk about a, a verse from the Bible and upstairs at Ignite where our middle schoolers are gathered, they're going to sit around tables and somebody's going to share God's word, but then they're going to meet with their small group leader and they're going to learn God's word together and wrestle with it and talk about how it applies to everyday life. This is the environment of the circle. It creates community, tight community, in what could be a very big, vast place. And community is critical. I love what Andy Stanley says about this. He says, community isn't just a nice option. It's a need like food, water, and shelter. And God uses other people to grow us, and God uses us to grow other people. And that's discovered in the environment of the circle. Now, even Jesus, when he walked this earth, Jesus had a circle. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 6, we see it. It says, one day, soon afterward, Jesus, he went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night long. In verse 13, at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, because there were multitudes of people that were following Jesus and learning from him and, and seeking to become more like him. But then it says, out of all those disciples, he chose 12. Well, that sounds like a click. Like, I mean, what about all the other people? I mean, what, didn't somebody's feelings get hurt? Listen, Jesus recognized that everybody needs to be in a smaller environment, and all of us have a limit to our influence. Even Jesus, when he was here upon this earth, he took on human flesh, and he was limited in how many people he could interact at, with at one time. And Jesus out of all these disciples and followers, it says he chooses 12 to become apostles. Now, disciple means student or learner or follower, but the word apostle means sent ones. And Jesus was going to gather this circle of 12 and spend the next three years living life very closely with them and empowering them and equipping them to go and carry on his mission. In fact, I would dare say this, we would not be sitting here at a church in Norwalk, Ohio in 2019, if it were not for Jesus, his mission, and his circle. Because Jesus handed off his mission to those, to those 12 apostles, and they handed it off to many others, and they handed it off to many others, and eventually, you and I, somewhere along the lines, we heard about who Jesus was and all that he's done for us, and we were invited into a living relationship with Christ. Because of a circle. Not only did Jesus have a circle, but we see the circle environment infused in the life of the early church. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, there's people that have come into one city. They're, they've gathered from all over the place, different backgrounds, different dialects, and something miraculous happens, and God's Spirit just falls upon the people, and miracles are happening. And it says that in the midst of this, Peter, one of Jesus' apostles, one of Jesus' sent ones, gets up and he shares with how everybody can have a real and living relationship with God, the Creator, through Christ. And it says in the Bible that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. They believed and were baptized, and they began functioning in relationships. And that brings us to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. As soon as all these people are gathered, they knew we can't just stay in one large group all the time. We've got to get organized to do life together. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, All the believers 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. We see another element here of the early church, another element that should be included in the environment of the circle. It says a deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles, they performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, they met together in one place and they shared. They shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those that were in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, but they also met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals. Sure sounds like a small group to me. A circle environment. It says, with great joy and generosity. And look at the result. It says, and all the while they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship those that were being saved. There was incredible impact happening in individual lives, in the lives of groups that were meeting in smaller huddles, and in the life of of that community, all because of the power of Jesus in and through the lives of people. In in the early church, I see really four key reasons why every single one of us here and every single one of them desperately needs a circle environment. The first need is for fellowship. Look at what it says. All the believers, they were devoted They are devoted to the apostles' teaching. We'll talk about that in a moment. But they were also devoted to the fellowship, to to sharing meals. They were devoted to this. Like, they were serious about it. They were committed to meeting together and sharing life. That word fellowship, the Greek word is koinonia. It's much deeper than just surface relationships or Instagram followers. These were people that were doing life together. They were there for each other. They were committed. They were devoted to each other. The first reason why we all need a circle is for fellowship. You know, I hope that when you walked in the doors today, you were greeted. I hope that when you got some coffee, someone was there to make sure it was hot and filled for you. And and I hope that You know, when we stood up and greeted one another, you felt some level of fellowship. But let me tell you something, Sunday's not enough. And we'll never discover the kind of fellowship that God intends for his church to have simply on a Sunday. But that's where the circle comes in. A circle becomes a place where we know that we belong. Everybody is looking for a place to belong. Just a a couple weeks ago, I was at our Port Clinton campus during one of our volunteer kickoff events. And there was a lady there that I was talking to after the service. She was newer to the church. And, you know, we were explaining some of the ministry opportunities, uh, ways that people can get involved in serving. And then she looked at me and she said, you know what I really need? I said, what's that? She said, I just need somebody to help me meet some other people. She just wanted to belong, to know somebody, to move beyond just seeing somebody down the row from her on Sundays, but to feeling like she knows somebody down the row and that she belongs, that, that somebody noticed, that, somebody, that she feels valued. That's our number two value here at the chapel is we love people. We value each other. 
And people won't feel valued just coming on Sunday. We're a big church. It's easy to get lost in the shuffle. We can fall through the cracks. We know that. But we don't want that to happen. And God did not want that to happen in his church. And that's why the early church immediately began to meet in smaller groups from home to home so that people wouldn't get lost, so that people would feel a sense of belonging. Because here's the reality. Once a person belongs, then they many times will take a step of belief. That when they feel like they're valued and they matter, they might, have, they might be willing to listen to what others have to say that are trying to speak truth into their lives, that are trying to point them to a real living relationship with Jesus. And often it moves, it moves from belonging to then believing and then becoming, becoming more like Jesus. This is the process of discipleship, but it begins with fellowship, a sense of belonging. A couple weeks ago, I reached out on Facebook and I just asked, Uh, this question, what's one way that your small group has truly helped you in your journey or made a difference in your life? And by far and large, it was mostly our chapel family members that responded about their small group experiences. This is is so important. What I'm talking about is not just ancient Bible. (laughs) This is like real stuff, everyday life that real people are entering into. Listen to the, what one person responded about their small group. They said, my group, it gives me a sense of friendship and bonding and meeting. Do you see? Fellowship, belonging, the growth in my learning and relationship with God and helping me to fe- meet my future wife. All the young adult guys in them were like, yeah, I'll sign up for a small group. <laughs> you never know. It can happen in a circle. Another person said, my small group, they walk through every step of life with us, good and bad. They have become our circle, our friends, our family. One person went on to say, uh, our small group loves our kids just as much as we love our kids. Fellowship. True group life. So, What's a next step when it comes to the fellowship factor of a circle environment? Maybe some of you, you've never engaged in a small group. And maybe your first step is to join a group. And before the end of our time today, I'm going to tell you very simply and easily how you can take a step in that direction. Or maybe some of you, you're in a small group. So I would challenge you, how can we raise the value of fellowship in our group? Maybe it means even offering to plan a fun event for your small group just to share life and laugh together and deepen the fellowship. There's a second key reason why I think that all of us need a circle environment, not just for fellowship, but also for truth. And actually, it's the first thing that's addressed in the early church. It says all the believers, they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. And the apostles, they were passing on the truth of God's word that we hold in our hands together today. They they were passing on Jesus' teaching and helping people grow in their faith. And they were devoted to it. There's something powerful that happens in, in, in teaching when it's not just from me to you, from the stage to the seat. I mean, we hope that you come and that you're encouraged and, and you worship and, and that you're challenged and that you, you consider some next steps in your faith journey. But I'm telling you, there's something 
even more beautiful that happens when we sit with a circle of others and we can begin to really respond and wrestle with what God's word has said. It's what uh, Paul said to the Colossian church. He said, so let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your lives. Yeah, come here on Sunday, get filled up. Yeah, sit in your chair throughout the week, get filled up with the truth of God's word. But then look at what he says. Let it fill your lives and then do what? Teach and counsel each other. Not wait for the pastor to teach on Sunday. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that God has given you throughout your whole week. They valued truth. And they knew that truth was not just something to be shared from the stage. It was something to be lived out in the midst of a circle environment. <coughs> so in your group, what, it, what, might, what could that look like? I love what one person said. They said small groups, <coughs> excuse me, small groups give you the small church feeling in a big church. All small, uh, he, they said our small group has been there to cry with us, celebrate with us, support us, hold us accountable. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. There is no closer group of friends than those who study God's word and pray together. God's truth will bind people's relationships together. And we'll be able to help each other move closer to Jesus. It's the value of truth. And it's why here at the chapel, our number one value, we rely on God and his word. It's why in circles throughout this church, like I said before, from preschool to old school, we're always going to hold God's word because it's, it's, our, it's our rule for life. And his word is living and active. And, and he wants to use his word. And there's something that happens when we sit around his word in a circle. You know, when I sit with our small group on Sunday nights, there's sometimes, you know, and I'm supposed to be the pastor, um, so they're all expecting me to, like, somehow be the smartest one in the room, and I'm not. <laughs> and we sit in a circle, and we read a verse of Scripture, and somebody else shares something, and I'm like, wow, that's good. I never saw it that way. And God's truth can come to life at another level in the midst of the one another's as we teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. So what's the next step when it comes to truth in small group environments? Maybe it means texting your group, of, uh, uh, your group members a verse of scripture in the middle of the day that's encouraged you. You just shoot a message out to your, to your group or a couple of the guys or a couple of the ladies in your group and just say, hey, I just want to pass this on along. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you Wednesday night or Thursday night for group. But man, this verse got me this morning. And you never know how God might want to use that truth in someone else's life. And we do that in the circle. So there's a third key element, key reason really why we all need a circle environment, and it's for prayer. Because all of us need prayer and all of us can pray. It, the, the believers at the, in the early church, they were devoted, it says, to prayer. In fact, I would say probably part of the reason there were so many miraculous things happening in the life of the early church is because they were a praying church. 
that's why we value prayer so highly here. So whether it's praying in the green room as the worship team gets ready to come onto the stage or our, our middle school leaders praying before they come together and start serving our students on Sunday mornings or the, even our kids' workers in the back, they'll circle up and they'll pray for our kids and for our families. Everybody needs a circle, and a circle is one of the best places to discover the power of prayer. You know, we have the little connect cards in the worship programs that you have uh, in front of you. One side is for guests to, you know, fill out and, and uh, uh, drop it in the giving boxes. The other side is a place where all of us can share prayer requests. And every week, people write down needs, and, and we, we compile those, and it goes out to a prayer team. But sometimes, I'll be honest, and I read those prayer requests. But sometimes I don't know the person. I can still pray for them, but man, there's something that happens. When you're, when you're in relationship with a small group of people who really know you, get you, know what's going on in your life, and you can look across the circle and say, here's what's really going on. And you've got people, knee to knee, shoulder to shoulder with you, that are pouring their heart out to God on your behalf because they know you, they love you, they care for you, praying for you, and that you can pray for somebody else in that way. I love what uh, one Facebook responder said. They said, my small group, it's such a great group of leaders. This is one of our women's gathering places groups. They said, uh, they cheer each other on throughout the week. They encourage spiritual growth no matter where you are in life, from prayers to our devotionals to just chatting about life. It's a group where you feel loved and never alone, but they pray for each other. So what's a, what's a next step when it comes to prayer in a small group environment? Maybe it means starting a, a text prayer chain within your group. We've had that happen in our group. Something happens and somebody will just post, hey, please pray for this. And all of a sudden, this beautiful thing happens. Text after text, I'm, and I'm getting annoyed initially, you know, because you know, I'm getting ding, 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 but, but it's, a, it's my small group. I'm like, well, what's going on? Ding, 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 ding. I open it up, and, and it's people in our small group, and, and somebody shared something going on, and you see, praying for you. Hey, we're praying for you too. Hey, I got your back. Hey, we're praying right now. It happens when we live in a circle environment. Or, or maybe take another step further instead of just saying, hey, praying for you, because I've been guilty of this. You know, somebody shares something. Yeah, I'll pray for you. But did I? Did we? What if instead of just saying, I'll pray for you, what if, what if in a text message, we said, John's in our small group. One time John was, he was going through a tough time at work. What if in just, instead of me just saying, oh, hey, John, just want you to know, I'm praying for you today. What if I just started texting in my prayer? And John, John, right now I'm praying for you. Dear Jesus, you know what John is facing. Please help him. Please encourage him. You know that the workload is heavy. Help John be a man of character and integrity. Help him to, to make a difference in his work environment. Help him to keep a positive attitude. God, thank you that you want to meet him in the midst of his Monday. Amen. Isn't there something powerful when we don't just hear the words, hey, I'm praying for you, but we read the words that somebody actually prayed for us? Or take it another step further. Eric Gonzalez, he usually sits right up here um, during the late service. 
Eric's one. He's he's been on our our elder team before. Um, for a while, he and I we were meeting every week at Sherry's Coffee House, just looking at God's Word together and talk, thinking about leadership together. And I'll never forget the the morning that I picked up my phone. I'm on my way to work, and I see a text message from Eric. But it's not just a text message. There's a little box that says "click," and so I clicked on it, and I heard a voice. And I held, put, put the phone up to my ear, and it was Eric's voice. And he was driving to Cleveland to work that morning. And he knew some things that I had shared with him when we had met the week before. And all of a sudden, I heard Eric's voice, and he was just praying for me. And he's got a, he's got a good voice. Like, he's a cool dude. Like, he sounds smooth when he prays. It's like one of the... And it's not just about the tone or the sound of his voice. It's his heart. And that audio prayer, I listened to it multiple times. A couple weeks ago, one of our dear servants of Jesus, Val Bressler, she passed away. She's been here. She's played keyboard on the stage. Died of cancer. Long battle. I was talking to one of her group members, and they said, you know what? Somebody sent a prayer, an audio prayer to Val. And she just kept asking for us to listen to it over and over again. And it it was in the midst of pain that she found peace in the words of a prayer of a friend. That's what can happen in the midst of a circle. Do you have a circle? A circle that's praying for you, a circle that you're praying for? We can't know everybody here. But we can know everybody here. There's a fourth and final reason why I think every single one of us needs a circle, and that's care. Just simple care. In the early church, it was happening in a beautiful way, a powerful way. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and following, it says, all the believers, they met together in one place, and they, they shared everything that they had. So, so far that in verse 45 it says, they even sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those that were in need. And whether that were, was people within the church or whether that was people outside of the church in the community that had needs, we don't know for certain, but they were generous. They cared for each other. And their care was more than just words. It was action. They lived it out. They, when somebody had a need, they're like, we can help with that. I can cover that. Let us do that for you. They cared. And now here's the reality. Oftentimes in churches, people look at uh, the pastors to be the ones that care for all the people. And we should. And Charles, he loves you guys. He cares. I mean, he cares. Here's the truth, though. He can't care for all of you at the same time. I can't either. Eric can't. None of us pastors, none of us staff members, there's no way in a church like ours, all the people that are coming, all the needs, all the things going on. I mean, I see the prayer uh, requests. There's so many heavy things going on in the life of people. And we cannot care for you adequately. And even... For us to have that level of expectation, we're going we're gonna, 
we're going to blow it. We're going to bomb. We're not going to be able to meet the level of expectation that people have. And God knew that we could not do that. And that's why, that's why he calls us into the environment of a circle where we can really care for one another. It was um, several weeks ago, late night text message from Eric, one of our other pastors. There was a person that we both knew, and they were in the hospital. Major, major situation. He's like, do you want to go? I said, yeah, let's go. We get there. Somebody from their small group was already there. And I thought, that's the way it ought to be. They're loved they're cared for, they're being prayed for because they're in a circle. And all of us need that kind of care. I love what one person said about their small group. They said, the people in our group, they show up. <laughs> they write, I believe they are the hands and feet and warm hugs and big shoulders of Jesus. Care happens in the circle. It happens best in a circle environment because it's where we belong. It's where we're known. It's where we're loved. And we can live out all those one another's of Scripture together showing real care. You'll get more care in a circle than you'll get here on a Sunday. But God meant it to be that way. So, so what would be a next step when it comes to uh, showing this kind of care? Maybe it means making a meal for somebody. Maybe it means showing up at the hospital. Maybe it means offering to watch someone's kids in your small group so they can just have a date night out and enrich their relationship. Let's just care for each other. But this care that I'm talking about, it goes beyond just the physical and perhaps the emotional care. Jesus is calling his, his followers not just to care for our physical lives, but to care for our soul life. Because remember, the whole point is to help each other move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. That we are our brother and sister's keepers. That we're meant, we're, in fact, we're commanded and called to care for each other's spiritual journeys. That's a whole other level. It's why the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us think of ways, let's get creative, he says, to motivate one another towards acts of love and good works. He says, let's not neglect our meeting together as some people are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, especially, he says, now that the day of his return is drawing near. He says, part of being in a circle is not just caring for our physical needs. And they did that. They sold their possessions and, and helped each other when they were hurting. But it means stepping up and caring for our spiritual life. That we would care, is my friend in my small group, are they becoming more and more like Jesus? Do they know that I'm invested in their spiritual journey just as much as their life journey? So what's the next step when it comes to this? Maybe it means asking a group member how they're doing with their chair time. I remember I was at college. I was studying the Bible. I was studying to be a pastor. I'm up in the third level, uh, third floor of Founders Hall at Cedarville University, where, where Lisa and I went to school. And um, 
is before class started, nobody was in there yet. I was the only one. I'm just looking out the window, and a guy by the name of Dennis Moles. I was in a group with him. We were RAs together. Dennis comes into the room, and he walks over to me by the window, and out of the blue, he's like, hey, Todd, what'd you read this morning? That question hit me like a ton of bricks. Because I was, I was reading textbooks. I was writing papers about theology. But I was not spending quality time in God's word with Jesus. And God used Dennis's question about my spiritual journey to spur me on. And that's what we are here for with each other, to help each other move. Maybe it means in your small group, maybe it means having a hard conversation, sharing something that you've observed that's been concerning you, asking, hey, how's it really going? I've noticed. Are you guys okay? Really caring. This is a, one last response from an individual that started coming to our church a couple years ago, and this is what he writes. Almost two years ago, I was separated from my wife, considering divorce and living literally 1,200 miles away from her. After pastoring for five years, I had given up on everything. I came to the chapel with my parents and ended up joining a small group. I attended for at least five to six months straight, and this small group, it brought so much healing and healthy relationships into my life at a very dark time. He writes, They allowed me to be honest about how I felt and then gave me godly counsel. They encouraged forgiveness and wholeness. Without this small community of believers, I would have been alone in my bitterness and darkness. But now, today, I am back with my wife in the healthiest relationship to date and full of hope. I am thankful for small groups. That is the power of a circle. And that's something you may miss on a Sunday. So what are some next steps? First of all, if you're a group leader here, let me just say thank you. You are the dream team. You are loving people. You're hospitable. You're inviting them into your home. You're, you're leading a men's group here at church on a, on a, Friday, a Thursday morning. Thank you for investing in other people's lives and leading. And probably recently, if you're a small group leader, you, you got a, a survey, a, an email in the, in the mail from Ryan Orshosky. He's helping coordinate our groups here at the chapel now. And if you've not responded to that or, or texted uh, the, in the survey, man, we, we, we so need that feedback because we want to know what groups are out there and we want to help equip you to, to do what you do as a small group leader. And so if you've not done that yet, or maybe, maybe you never received an email, maybe, you, maybe you're a group that we don't even know about, please let us know. Text the word survey. Email Ryan. Ryan's here at our service. We'll be out in the atrium after the service. You can just go over there and connect with him for a moment. For those of you that are in a group already, hey, just make it better. Take those four things that we've talked about, those four key values that we've talked about, fellowship and truth and care and prayer. 
and say, how can I elevate those things in the life of my group? Or, hey, maybe you're already in a group. Maybe it's time to add. That is, even though you're a tight group and it, maybe it's crowded, make room for one more person. Make room for one more couple that's looking for a small group. Or maybe, maybe it's time for your group to multiply. To say, man, we've had it good. Some neat things have been happening here. But man, there's other people. I'm telling you, right now, there are people that want to be in a small group and there's no place for us to put them. Maybe you're in a group now and it's time for you to step up and to help lead a group. Add or multiply. Help others discover the power of a circle. And finally, for those that are without a circle, what do you do? Man, in the What's Happening Guide, they're out there. They're, you can find them at the table, at the connection group table. There's a whole bunch of opportunities. Men's fraternity is going to be starting off. Men's leadership groups have already started, but you can still get in. Women's gathering places are getting ready to launch in just another week or so. Uh, women of the Word Bible studies. There's, there's two Bible studies here, um, daytime and evening. There's uh, young adult groups. There's mops. There's moms next. Find a circle and take a step. And if you need help in that process, just say the word. We want to help you. We want to help you take your next steps. You can text the word group to that number and, and you'll quickly get a response back and we'll start following up with you. Or email Ryan at the Ryan O at the chapel.tv or stop out at the at the table out in the atrium. Following Jesus, it's hard, and yet it's simple. And Jesus has given us these simple environments that if we will engage in these, it can set us up to get the most out of life and to become more and more like Jesus. And one of those things is the environment of the circle. And I just want to plead with you to get connected. God, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for what you were doing in the midst of the early church. Jesus, thank you that you yourself, you had a circle. And I pray, God, that if there's anybody here that's missing out, that maybe they felt unknown, maybe they've fallen through the cracks, maybe we blew it in some way. God, would you help give them the courage to take a step today? And for all of us that are in groups, God, would you help us to make them the most incredible circles ever as we care for each other and pray for each other and share truth with each other. Jesus, would you bless your church and expand our reach because our roots have grown down deep into you with one another. In Christ's name, amen.